Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks is the that's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keuchel, Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome into the Sox on Tap podcast. It's Johnny Nani here alongside Tony Marchese and NWI Steve discussing all things White Sox getting ready leading into the weekend. Boys, how are we doing tonight? Hey, yo, boys. It's good to get back on here with uh, with yous. Haven't had any three-way action in quite a while, so um, looking forward to this, seeing what kind of hijinks we have in store for the listeners tonight. Gentlemen, it is great to be back uh, on this microphone with both of you. I know it's been a little while, as, as we've kind of alluded to, but uh, there's plenty of White Sox topics to talk about, and uh, I'm ready for a beer. I don't know about you guys. I'm drinking hard liquor tonight, Tony. I got a little Manhattan going in my White Sox uh, you know, highball glass here, so I'm fancy. enjoying that. It's Steve, fancy. You dry, Steve, you dry tonight? Uh, yeah, I, I am dry. I'm just sipping sip oh, water here out of, out of the uh, White Sox logo cup here. Um, for those of you that don't know, for those of you that don't know, I uh, might have spent a couple two tree days down in Florida last week, and multiple sauces have hashtag unconfirmed that beverages may have been consumed pretty regularly starting at about noon o'clock. So, you know, there might still be a little bit of a detoxification period going on right now. Who nah, knows? Gotcha. Hashtag so, unconfirmed. Steve you, noon o'clock is a great time to yeah. start drinking for, for anybody out there, you know, like especially in Florida. Especially in, when it's 70 January. degrees outside. Yes. Yes. Those are some of the best beers. Florida noon o'clock beers in January. That is. Uh, th- that'll uh, break the winter blues. Guys, we're close to breaking the winter blues uh, because it's about to turn to February here on the calendar, which means... Pitchers and catchers report is just around the corner. Hence the title of the show trending towards baseball. How does it make you feel? Well, knowing that uh, you're going to hear the sounds of pitchers and catchers, you're going to hear that mitt popping. You're going to see guys throwing bullpens and running sprints in the outfield on, on your television set when turn on MLB network in what three weeks um, it's, it always kind of gets you warm and toasty inside. Just realizing that, Hey, you know, there's white shit on the ground right now, but alas, we're getting closer. And, um, you know, for those of you that were on Twitter.com earlier today, I may or may not have been near the ballpark today. So the the vibes, you know, you know, kind of feeling them a little bit here. So we're getting closer. We're inching closer day by day. Yeah, I mean, we're, we've reached a point in the offseason where, you know, watching, you know, baseball movies at night, we're rotating through. I think Moneyball over the past couple of nights has been the go-to. We'll probably make our way through, you know, the the full set of baseball movies that are available. Uh, feeling that itch, it's getting closer. I know, like Steve said, there's there's white stuff on the ground right now, but for all intents and purposes, so far, it's been a rather mild winter, um, and the offseason has kind of moved a little bit quicker, at least in my mind, uh, than it normally does. Uh, we're, we're getting real close, guys. Once that calendar turns to February, we're right there. So then uh, that means more socks on tap shows and that means more talking baseball. So I'm, I'm getting ready guys. This is, this is a good time of year. Good time. Yeah. Of year. I'm ready for it to be back guys. all the things that you just mentioned there, Steve uh, with, with uh, you know, uh, bats swinging uh, mitts popping down in Arizona and Florida. Uh, I can't wait for that. And I, you know, when I was just kind of looking at dates here, it feels like these days just drag on in like January. This is, you know, hockey terms, Tony called like the dead days of winter, right? Cause you're like in the middle of there before the, uh, you know, the all-star break and stuff like that. And then in baseball terms, everything's kind of like slowed down from an off season hot stove standpoint. You go and watch hot stove. There's not really many transactions to talk about anymore. So I was getting like a little like down on that. And then when I went and like actually like realized the date and I'm like, oh shit, we're at the end of January. I feel like a while felt like it was still early January, but we moved into the end, which means, um, what is it? February 15th. Is that the Sox, uh, pitchers, catchers report date? I believe so. I believe so. My friend. 
Yeah. So uh, we're, we're close. We're close. So that's why we're trending towards baseball here. So uh feels good. feels good to be back. And like Tony mentioned, a bunch more socks on tap shows uh, coming your way because of that. All right, um, guys, let's talk about news today here on this Thursday. Uh, Jason Benetti, Steve Stone, our hashtag back for 2023 and beyond thoughts on this. I think this is um, to be as expected. I, I feel like for whatever the reason, there was kind of this feeling of angst on Twitter.com within the fan base, which I know is shocking to hear. Um, for some reason, people were kind of under the impression that maybe Benetti wasn't going to come back. Um, but, you know, alas, he is here. You know, the, the fact of the matter is um, I, I think overall it's a good broadcast pairing there are definitely some things that you know could be improved with with the two. Um, there are some aspects of Benetti's, you know, daily play by play that I would like to see cleaned up and tightened up a little bit here. But I think in a lot of ways, I mean, he is still, for lack of a better term, kind of finding his bearings in in the booth, trying to find his own place. And he is, after all, replacing a Hall of Famer and somebody that was the voice of the White Sox for you know, most of my life. And I know that's the case for a lot of people out there. So that is certainly something that is a challenge to have to follow. Um, and I think with each year he has gotten a little bit better, but you know, there, like I said, there are still some things that you would like to see removed from his arsenal a little bit and, and tightened up a little bit, but overall to know that you've got that continuity there, I think it's a good thing. I feel like we've spent a lot of time discussing announcers uh, within ONTAP Sportsnet, specifically you and I, Johnny. Um, There's been a lot of talk on the Blackhawks side about uh, Chris Foster's and how that transition has gone. For For all intents and purposes, I am happy that they're back because I don't know if I can go through another one of my teams changing up the booth um, just in this short period of time, it probably would have drove me off the deep end having to let somebody get in and get settled again in the White Sox booth. Um, you know, it, you know that they're going to be here for at least a couple of years now. We don't have, I think, exact years on this, but I saw the term multi-year. Um, so, you know, you're going to have the same guys in the booth for, for a little bit longer here, whether that's two, three, four years. Uh, I think it lets people rest easy knowing that the broadcast is going to at least remain unchanged from that uh, position, um, barring any unforeseen circumstances. But over the past couple of years, guys, I've gotten fairly used to Jason and, and Steve, it, you know, calling these games. Um I agree with everything that Steve said. There's there's a couple of things with Benetti that sort of can be fine-tuned to make it a better broadcast overall. I think he's a little bit more stat and analytical um, and needs to drive home a little bit more of the baseball imagery um, that's going on and describing some stuff. But overall, I think the voice plays. Um, It's been with a couple of iconic plays. I don't think he has the same issues that a guy like Chris Vosters has with the Blackhawks right now. Um, and when you're comparing it to that, and that's what's fresh in my mind, I think Benetti is light years ahead um, in terms of his ability to call a game and, uh, you know, make an iconic call uh, with some of this stuff. I know people are going to, you know, point to Len Casper as being the best out of that bunch. Our guy, Pat Comiskey, will kindly remind you that on Twitter.com over and over again. Uh, but you're still probably going to see some of him in the TV booth. I think overall the White Sox still have probably the best broadcast booth uh, out of any of the baseball teams in Chicago right now. And uh, maybe out of all of the sports teams, I don't know. I think that might be up for debate, but uh, I'm fairly comfortable with it. Yeah. I'm happy they're back guys. I have, I I picked some bones with Jason Benetti and certain calls like you guys just alluded to there, but overall um, there are still moments in a broadcast where he makes me laugh. There's still calls that he makes that are good um, that are, you know, really exciting and it really gets you into the moment of it. So I'm excited that they're back continuity. Like you said, Steve, Um, what are we, we a bulls podcast now talking continuity, but uh, (laughs) seriously, it is a good thing to have for that because we talked about uh, like Tony mentioned uh, the transition that had gone on in the Blackhawks boots. So that is also fresh in my mind as well. Um, I'm happy they're back. And I, I don't know the details, but we'll see. I, I think that means at least 2023, 2024. I think you can guarantee, the, guarantee yeah, that for multi-year. You know, one of the things that I've kind of seen bandied about a little bit um, is that the 
the five-year deal with NBC Sports Chicago, I believe, is up after the 2024 season. So there is, you know, some speculation going around that there is that NBC is looking to get out of the regional sports um, network business entirely. There was an article um, that you know came out. I think it was in the Chicago Tribune or, or some other outlet. I want to say maybe about 12 to 18 months ago kind of digging into this a little bit and about the idea of would, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf, um, Rocky Wirtz, um, you know, would they kind of combine forces to start a network, you know, them, themselves and kind of have a standalone network and then develop a more uh, fine-tuned streaming platform. So that is one thing to kind of keep in mind here. So if that 2024 date is accurate, I think it probably would make sense that um, it would just be a two-year deal. Somebody trying to get a hold of you. You got like sources calling in right now. I, I, you know, listen, multiple sources at all times. <laughs> yeah. Um, Steve, you summed it up there too. I mean, obviously uh, there's that factor at play with the NBC sports Chicago uh, contract coming up with those teams. So we'll see what happens, but I think it's a good thing. And it's a good thing uh, brand wise, I think, because a lot of people around baseball, if they're just tuning in, if you're on MLB TV or whatever, and you tune in, a lot of people have given positive feedback regarding Jay Spinetti and Steve Stone. So um, with the White Sox obviously having a down year last year, a number of off-field things going on as well that we'll get to in a minute here. Um, I think it's good to have something positive going for the White Sox in that direction. Absolutely is, Johnny. And the, the one thing I want to bring up too, and uh, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but uh, looks like there's been some trouble with some of these other regional networks too. Um, I know uh, there was an article written today about the St. Louis Cardinals um, having some issues with Bally, uh, their parent company, Sinclair. Um, you know, the, the regional sports network is going to be an interesting thing to track over the next couple of years here, guys. And uh, how this eventually shifts, like Steve mentioned, I think, to a, a more streaming friendly platform, uh, not only for the game of baseball, but, uh, you know, just sports in general and how the leagues are going to work those deals. Because, it, man, there's a lot of revenue that was coming through some of these regional sports networks uh, that were being pumped back to these teams. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects the game. Most definitely. Um, all good points there, guys. So um, bottom line here for us here on Sox on Tap, though, Jason Benetti, Steve Stone, hashtag back, hashtag confirmed for the White Sox. So looking forward to that um, over the airwaves next couple of seasons here. All right. Uh, now into some not so fun news. Uh, Mike Clevenger um, under investigation by MLB for domestic violence, child abuse allegations um, that were made public earlier this week uh, via The Athletic. Um, for as for the timeline of that, um, I think James Fegan of the Athletic doubled up on that today, and um, it's still going to be a process in terms of the investigation and even for being placed on administrative leave. So we don't know what that you know means in terms of will he ever throw for the White Sox? Should he? There's plenty of you know uh, commentary to be had around that, but I think it's safe for us to assume right now operating under the assumption that Mike Clevenger is not going to throw a baseball for the White Sox, um, at least in, you know, for the foreseeable future here. And we need to start talking about what now for pitching, because that was your big signing uh, for depth. You let Johnny Cueto walk. Vince Velasquez is signed with the Pirates. Um, what now? That's my question for you guys. What do the White Sox do pitching front? Well, I think as of right now, you look at Davis Martin is the front runner to take that number five spot. Ideally, you would like to see him, you know, start the season in Charlotte, kind of be that sixth man in the in the rotation there, ready to come up when needed. Kind of seen a couple of things um, in my in my brief perusing of Twitter.com over the last few days, kind of thinking and suggesting, you know, maybe a guy like Michael Waka would make sense. Uh, you know, a veteran guy, um, you know, he's, he's been a serviceable pitcher for the last couple of years. He's nothing great. I mean, at this point he is a back of the rotation, number five starter, but you know, at the same time, you keep hearing that this team is tapped out financially. So, um, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, will a certain person allow them to take more funds from, you know, his family trust fund that will, you know, eventually has to go towards feeding his great, 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 great grandchildren because uh, we, we can't afford to have them starve. Um, so can the Sox find a few million bucks for another pitcher? Well, remains to be seen now. I don't know what you do here. I don't know about you guys. Uh, obviously, Davis Martin, um, as you mentioned, Steve, is is a name to throw into the mix here. 
I don't know if that exactly makes me feel real comfortable. Um, you know, it just, it shouldn't, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make me feel real comfortable. And I think the, the big miss here was not bringing back uh, Mr. Johnny Cueto. This rotation is now questionable, uh, especially in that fifth starter spot. Um, you know, you're going to have some sort of injuries and it, over the course of the baseball season, what are we going to see here? There's going to need to be somebody that's going to be able to step into the rotation. Uh, last off season, you, you had the Vince Velasquez signing and he came in and ate some innings for you um, in some certain spots where he looked fairly impressive. I don't see that same level of depth with this rotation now. Um, and that's ultra concerning to me, especially with uh, where we are at in this stated rebuild um, you know, it's like we're taking pieces off of the house now. Um, and it's just, it's really unfortunate that we have to sit here as White Sox fans and talk about now we need a fifth starter, uh, going into this season when we are tapped out financially, when we don't have that kind of depth, we'll see if they go out and grab somebody, but I have no confidence that they will at this, at this point in time. Um, and you know, it'll also be interesting to see, does that mean that Michael Kopech is going to need to ramp up and, uh, go above what his program would have been this year? What are you going to get, uh, from Kopech? Are they going to have to, you know, start to use Reynaldo Lopez in longer relief roles, uh, to start to build that back up? This is going to be a whole change in plans, uh, for Ethan Katz and the, and the pitching staff. Um, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable with where we're at right now, guys. It's, it's sort of scary. I think Michael Waka would be a logical fill in right there. Um, talk about a guy that's available, um, should be able to afford him. Obviously, Steve, you had mentioned the factors, uh, that, that are uh, forbidding that at least at the moment. Um, but there is still some time before, uh, pitchers, catchers. Report would you go here. as far as to say several factors, Jonathan, yeah, several factors. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can use that terminology, I guess. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they already have themselves, right? Uh, so, um, that would be my choice. Just logical look at it on paper. And, you know, one thing that I think you guys might've talked about in a previous one, but you're eating at it from both ends now with the Clevenger uh, situation. And then with Liam Hendricks too, obviously um, terrible news with him uh, with, with his diagnosis there. And we, we don't know um, what the future holds for him either. Um, so you talked about Reynaldo Lopez. Yeah, sure. You might think about, you know, you need to go and use him for some more uh, longer term sort of, uh, innings situation there, Tony, building that back up. However, he was probably a guy that you're counting on for high leverage based on what he did last year. And then Kendall Graveman sliding uh, back in there as well. Um, that was probably going to make up your punch. I would imagine along with Aaron bummer there, right? Where is um, Ross Detweiler when you need him? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know where Ross, the boss is. The boss has to be out there somewhere. I mean, we just uh, we we got to figure this out. Don't you know, anytime you can get a good Ross Detweiler mentioned on a show, it just makes me giggle. I mean, we he, were he, we were all he's on a Ross logical the boss. fit. Yeah. This this show was very heavy on Ross the boss in 2019. I mean, we were also <laughs> high on Mr. Odrisimo Despagne. Yeah, well, that but changed. He's he's overseas so. now. He's yeah. overseas. That it's not going to work for us. But wasn't that just wasn't that just on uh, on. Uh, Charlotte Knights on tap. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, he he still made some some appearances on the on the mainstay show, but uh, yes, he he was the uh, the X factor for Char Knights Weekly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, guys, another name that I don't think uh, has been brought up here, uh, Jimmy Lambert, um, another guy um, who I don't know if you're talking about starter role there, but we're talking about increased um, longer uh, sort of you know relief role. Um, I think that's a guy that slots in as well. Um, that you have to consider. And obviously I, I think he had a really solid season last year uh, by all accounts showed some uh, excellent improvement. Um, but again, if he gets overused or, you know, overexposed, will that effectiveness go down? that's where my concern lies then where I'd like to have a guy like Michael Waka be able to at least eat some of the innings up front there. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a valid concern, Johnny. Uh, and I think that that's going to be sort of the story that like, we're going to have to watch early on in the season because the, the Hendricks thing really gets to me too here because everybody's got a slot up one. And now when you lose a starter like this, you start to bring everybody back. So we'll have to see how Grafol manages this bullpen. We've, we've also got a new manager in here. Who's going to be 
a lot different than what we saw last year. So the usage from some of these guys could be vastly different than what we saw under the previous regime. So it'll be really interesting to watch how this unfolds, especially once the season starts. We're not going to get the answer in spring training. We're going to be waiting a while to uh, really see how this all shakes out. You know, one of the other interesting aspects of this situation here, if you look at the decision not to bring back John Cueto, um, it kind of just makes you wonder now, you know, was this a, a decision that was largely driven by Ethan Katz, for example? Um, because you had Cueto here, a guy that is almost universally loved in just about every clubhouse he's ever been in, uh, was a guy that was just a consummate professional when he was out there with his team, went out there and you could almost count on him to give you six innings pretty much every time he would take, he would take the ball. So to just willingly kind of walk away from that and make that choice to go in a different direction for a guy that had question marks on the field, you know, first of all, um, it's just very odd and, it kind of just, it just really points to issues with the decision process of this organization here. You had somebody in-house that you knew, you knew what he was all about. You knew what you could get from him potentially. And you said, we're going to take a gamble on, on somebody else. So what led to that decision process? Obviously, I don't think we're ever really going to get to know the answer to that question but it's something that just kind of has you leaving leaving you scratching your head a little bit yeah you bring up ethan katz there and it's interesting because you know it's kind of like the we had said for years right the coop will fix him is there a cats will fix him sort of mentality at play there it makes you wonder and steve it sucks because we'll probably never know unless one of us you know is able to transform become a fly on the wall uh in those the locker room in those offices so uh and i Man, the, the thing that eats at me about that is that it was reliable. There, Sure, there may be some higher ceilings with some other guys, right? Um, in terms of, you know, Lucas Giolito should probably be a higher ceiling guy. But in terms of reliability and the what have you done for me lately test, Johnny Cueto checked all the boxes. Not only did he check all the boxes, Johnny, he was a guy that I had my eye on when these pitching uh, rule changes were in place. He was a quick worker. I think he's going to be one of the guys least affected by the pitch clock. So uh, just a real puzzling decision by the Chicago White Sox to not lock him back up. And I don't know why they couldn't lock him up and make an offseason acquisition to further short things up, especially after watching what took place last year with the rotation and some of the injuries. I think Lucas Giolito is a question mark going into this year, although there was video footage of him throwing 89 miles an hour that we can go back and forth and debate. Um, there's, you know, obviously the health of Lance Lynn uh, th that's there, the Michael Kopech, what are you going to get from him in a, in a full season? Uh, so a lot of question marks with the rotation right now. It's it's sort of puzzling to me on, on so many levels that uh, we've went backwards um, on paper, at least. We I think what – yeah, Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. I, I was going to say well, just one, one final thought on Cueto here, and one of the more disheartening things about it was I don't know if anybody caught his introductory press conference down in Miami, but he went full on Kenny Power style, draping himself in the Dominican flag. They're walking out from, from the center field entrance. I mean – that was, dare I say, cinematic. It was. It was it was cool. And I hey, good for Johnny. Um, I don't think is with the Miami Marlins. I you know did they put the scoreboard it, on for him? Yeah, I think they did. Unlike Andrew Benintendi. <laughs> That's part of the right. ComEd offseason, you know, savings program. Yeah, granted it, yeah. Maybe a little nitpicking there on our part with the Benintendi thing. Who knows if they added on and the picture you, just came after, but you you faced some uh, criticism for that tweet that was sent. I know. People said what did they say? Psychotic levels of desperation to find something to complain about. And my response to that is welcome to Twitter.com. <laughs> Um, guys, we, we had talked about this on the pitching front, but we can we can go and we can just expand this here and talk about the whole offseason. I got I got a whole section in our rundown here for offseason pitching. Obviously, we're talking about pitching and holes there, question marks of plenty there. But man, when you go and look at the rest of this, is obviously Andrew Benintendi. I think that's a fine signing, and we had discussed that a little bit after it had happened. However, that can't be your only move, right? And I think we had all said that, and we're hoping for something more. We haven't gotten anything more except for Jake Marisnik, Billy Hamilton, and Victor Reyes. 
those guys aren't the answer in the outfield. Uh, maybe you get some one-off production uh, in small spurts from one of them, maybe two of them. Uh, maybe Billy Hamilton has a little bit of value in terms of the uh, base running and, uh, you know, defense that, that will be, you know, uh, highlighted a little bit more this season due to the rule changes. However, still an incomplete offseason here. So go ahead, have at it, <laughs> rip into it. An incomplete offseason, a.k.a. the White Sox way. We went into this offseason realizing that the outfield needed to be addressed. And realistically, you needed to address it in two spots. Um, they, you know, achieved one of them with the Benintendi signing. I think we all collectively would have liked to have seen them add a veteran presence to at least start the season in right field so that Oscar Colas had to hit his way into the lineup. Um, you know, we had talked about guys like Adam Duvall, Tommy Pham, some of the other names that, that had been bandied about there and for them to just do nothing. I guess the one of the most frustrating aspects of this, the areas of need that this team had looking at corner outfield, second base, and then, you know, addressing the starting pitching situation and everything is everything's done now. You know, you know, all the, anything of real significance there's nothing left out there. And Rick Hahn talked early on in the offseason doing his lawyer speak that more activity was going to come via trade. Well, we haven't seen that to this point. You know, there's been some rumor and, and some innuendo around, a, you know, a couple of hashtag local products, um, you know, that are in Kansas City, you know, maybe filling a void at second base. Um, does that really move the needle a whole lot? No. So it's just, it's annoying because I feel like this is an annual rite of passage for us where they talk about what they need to address. They, they identify it up front, but then they don't actually do it. You know, I would like to actually be a fan uh, or I would like to see the team that I'm a fan of not only identify the areas of need, but actually take the steps to address them over the winter. That would really make me happy, um, and it would put me in a lot less crabby mood. So you're saying they can't just appraise. They need a contract as well. Hashtag confirmed. <laughs> I mean, that's what you got to do when you're building the house, right, Tony? Yeah, I mean, it's – it's. I think Steve really summed it up fairly well here. The It is the same thing that we've seen over and over again, especially throughout this uh, competitive window where – yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't take rocket appliances to figure out what's wrong, but it seems like they might need more rocket appliances to be able to fix it. I, I, did, I don't understand how they haven't done anything significant outside of the Benintendi signing right here. I, can, can, can I? Sure, I, go ahead. I think I, I think I have the answer. Yeah. He's uh, 86 years old. He continues to exist. Well, I mean, just beat a dead horse at this point. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything. Where, else where's the say. lie? Where's the lie? Beat a beat a fucking dead horse. It's the lie. It's the same. It's the same shit over and over and over again. But see, that's where I would put this a little bit on Rick Hahn and say, if you know the constraints that you're working with, you have to be super creative and better at your job than every other GM and go look at things and find ways to solve your problems, maybe unconventionally. He's talked about the trade. He's talked about the trades for years now, and we haven't seen a single major deal take place that has improved this team significantly. In fact, all the ones that he's made that seemed well at the time, uh, whether those be at the trade deadline, and most of them have been, um, have largely blown up in his face. And I've said this for years. I wonder if we're a little bit trigger shy when it comes to moving on from uh, certain players and, and young prospects uh, because of things that have happened in the past. But you know, they haven't been aggressive. They have not been aggressive. And I thought that they would have to go into this offseason and be very aggressive, especially with, uh, you know, letting Jose Abreu walk, um, the holes that they had, what the free agent market looked like. Um, I just haven't seen the aggressiveness. There's there's 
almost the same way that you saw the White Sox play during the <laughs> the season. You've seen them play the exact same way with the front office during the offseason. It, it, it doesn't seem like they're interested in putting a winning product together. It's very disappointing. Yeah, we're going to take a question here in a second. Um, but uh, one last comment on that is, you know, you talked about the need to be creative, right, to address needs, Tony, um, that have been identified. And, okay, yeah, they did the identify process. But wouldn't it have been in their best interest to do it when the options are still on the board, right, whether that be a free agency, whether that be where teams aren't maybe as set in their, you know, set in stone and what they want to do with their roster and Rick Hahn can dangle something in front of them or at least get in their ear and say, hey, we want this guy. How can we make it work? Um, talk about earlier. set the tone, Johnny, maybe set. Right, like tone maybe, for the, set the tone maybe at winter meetings, this is the place where they all congregate to do these things annually, right? And kick off the things that need to happen. Sure, don't get me wrong, a trade can still happen. We've seen them happen, transactions happen up until into spring training. Shit, um, hell, even before like what, like a week before the season, we've seen that can still happen. A, I'm not gonna hold my breath. Um, because it's, you know, that's just not been the way it's gone uh, down in years past for the White Sox. And then B, you're also kind of maybe getting the short end of the straw there, um, in my opinion, on any potential return that you get and what you'd have to give up to get them. So um, one of these areas is second base, right? You'd talked about possibly the Nicky Lopez thing, those rumors floating around on the interweb, Steve. Um, we got a question. It says, so is second base really a Lurie slash Romy combo? Could throw Lenin Sosa in there, but right now, as things currently stand, so White Sox stand here Thursday, January 26, 7 51 p.m. Yes, that is the answer with Lenin Sosa um, also added in there. But that just goes to tell you, um, accentuating our point uh, on this incomplete offseason here, guys. Yeah, I think that is frustrating. One of the articles that I wrote over the winter here was just talking about how second base has been a black hole for this organization for the last decade plus and again for them to do nothing to address it in any kind of a meaningful way when i had talked about um the consideration that i personally do think lenin sosa could be a long-term solution for this team at the position but again they're kind of in a spot where this is almost like the last hurrah for, the, for this group right here, because if you look at the contractual status of a lot of the guys on this roster, you've got free agents to be uh, next winner in Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Yasmani Grandal, and then, you know, you've got a couple of the bullpen guys in there as well. So you don't have a lot of time here. You really need to kind of put your foot on the gas. And so to not address the position in any way to try to create any level of certainty which they really needed was very disheartening now elvis andrus is still out there so you know and i i talked about this and that's a guy that i would feel comfortable if they could get him to agree to terms to come in and to handle second base to start the season whether or not he's still looking for a starting shortstop position out there it kind of looks like that's what it what it is right now and knowing that scott boris is his agent it wouldn't surprise me if that's ultimately his end game right now what he's trying to do um we all know injuries happen in spring training all the time so a guy that, like him a veteran guy that's made over 100 million dollars throughout the course of his career could he hold out thinking that maybe if a starting shortstop on a another team has some sort of lengthy injury to start the season that he could slide in there. Maybe that's what, what he's going for right now, but there's just not a lot of other options out there for him to go get a starting shortstop role. Um, so if I were, if I were the Sox, I would really, if there is funds available, really trying to have that conversation and trying to um, persuade him to shift over to second base and just try to create a little bit of certainty there. Right. And I do just want to add something in here. Granted, this was back in September or early October. And Elvis Andrews did say that he would like to remain with the White Sox and he would be open to changing positions. Like I said, who knows what's changed? Who knows what Boris has gotten his ear with over the winter? Who knows if his mind has just changed? Um, however, that was something that was said um, and it wasn't fake. It wasn't made up. It was actually said by him. So um, that is just something to keep in the back of your mind um, when it comes to Elvis Andrews. I don't have any Elvis Andrews thoughts, guys, outside of I'd, I'd like him back on the team. I think I've written about that. I think I've said it before. I'm, if they can get him back, it's not the sexiest move, but it's a good move. 
All right, we're going to take another question here. Yeah, uh, Sal jumps in the comments here, White Sox. Sal, thank you. Regular in our comment section here. He says, just jumped into the stream. Has Steve proclaimed, is it over yet? Sal, let me talk to you. It's not over yet, okay? Listen, the mood's been a little bit somber the last couple of two, three days. Um, admittedly, I've been a little bit under the weather dealing with uh, some headaches here, and, and that has a tendency to – play a factor on my mood a little bit, but I almost feel a little bit reinvigorated today being in and around the ballpark. Juices are kind of flowing a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm we're, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. All right. I think we got a lot of good off season talk here. Um, guys, I think all White Sox fans share our concerns here. Um, just one more thing that I would just add on that is, Shit, I, I was upset when Adam Duvall signed with Boston. Steve got me all hyped up about the potential of him, and sure, might have been a long shot, but damn, that would have provided a little more certainty, right, uh, in the outfield corner spots, and shit, he can play a little bit all over. So that would be my last offseason thought. Let's go to another kind of comment here that we had from our guy, Sean Roberts, and he says, because this was released today. This is here on Thursday. Uh, this news, uh, I believe, is uh, Daryl Van Scowen in the Chicago Sun-Times. And he, he had uh, posted kind of the new details, right, of the 500-level bar. And so Sean Roberts chimes in and says, can we talk about the, the, and I'm calling it the, you know, dot 500 level new bar. Um, those two areas that are going up in the 500 level at the rate. Um, guys, they, they had even, uh, what, scaled back on those a little bit, making them not as flamboyant as originally planned to get under budget there. The White Sox way. (laughs) Jerry just didn't even have the money for the electrical and the plumbing. You know, I mean, we just, we're not thinking enough about the Reinsdorf family trust these days. His great, 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 great grandchildren. I mean, you know, they're going to be eating like peasants if he keeps spending at this rate. You know, I mean, so you got to dial it back a little bit. You know, the people in the 500 level, they'll they'll get their, you know, a couple of round tables and, and their and their chairs that will probably have one broken leg on them and they'll like it. That's that's what we're going to do here. Were they worried about making the 500 level too enticing for fans? That's my question. I, I don't understand. I think it was a cost thing, but that's, yeah, that's, but, a, that's a factor, too. Yeah, but still, I say. At the I'm, same I'm time, curious. why why even bother with that, though, if you think it's going to be making things too enticing? Well, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, it yeah. could have been part right. of I mean, the, the whole marketing thing. Like, we're, we're going to sell cheaper tickets, and then we're going to have this premium bar that everybody can go sit at. Uh, and how are we supposed to make money off of that? Because the drinks are going to cost the same. So they had to decide whether or not they were going to have to make up in their budget by charging more for drink. Maybe this is going to work out in our favor, boys. Maybe the beer will go, won't increase in prices this season. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if people get as mad online as they did about the new seating chart, Jerry will open the pocketbook up just a little bit more and, and put like a little, you know, a water line to go to these things so that they can, you know, serve fresh tap water too. Um, instead of just cheaping out, I'm wondering what this is really going to be though. Like, are you guys even excited to go up there and check this out or no? I don't don't know if I'll go to the 500 level once all year. Exactly. (laughs) I I mean, my whole thing is this, and I, I Twittered this right when this whole concept was announced. If I wanted to watch a, a white Sox game in a bar like environment, I would go to a bar. You know, if I go to the ballpark, I don't want to sit in a bar like a bar. I want to sit in the fucking ballpark and get the ballpark atmosphere. I don't want a bar atmosphere. I'm at a fucking baseball game. God damn it, people. Fuck. I don't think there's any. So are you saying that the revolution room like that, that seating is, is not your scene then? It doesn't do it for me. No, like I, I don't, I don't get that's like all right. It. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel that way. However, there are some casual observers there. Hey, if you bring, you know, family, if you bring a friend group that has, you know, maybe not as big of baseball fans as we are. So I understand that like draw to it, but it's just funny that it even got to that point of <laughs> having to having these plans for it and undershooting it in just such white Sox fashion. They give us so much ammo guys, it's way too much. It's it's easy. It's, it makes me sick. <laughs> it, it's easy. It, you're right. They make it, it too easy. Stuff like Sean just came. Out. I didn't even think about that. But the dot five hundred 
that's that's on that's perfect uh, you know what we might have to go up there and take a picture there this season i think just to use that as the caption thank so you. we will go to the 500 though. i think we will yeah we can write a review we'll put it on on tap sports that yeah the new yeah, yeah, yeah. 500 level bar yeah use that in the headline too <laughs> just for that oh guys all right uh as we're kind of getting close to winding down here uh, other fun stuff tony i heard you were playing around with some stuff uh, about our boy steve kind of related to the is it over yet um let's go uh, fire away I, I was i was playing around with this new artificial intelligence stuff earlier today because uh it's all over the news all over the news with this 500 level so johnny uh, you know you've got a better reading voice I, I think it's it's in our Slack channel, and I'm going to invite you to read the story because I think you'll put some more effect on it because I just want to watch Steve's reaction as we read this. But the whole premise of this was I wanted to ask the artificial intelligence to tell me what would happen if Steve would continuously be negative throughout this next season. So it wrote a nice little short story about Steve's negativity. Johnny, have you found it yet? All right, fire away. This is the chat GPT AI talking about Steve's negativity. Once upon a time, there was a man named Steve who loved baseball. He was a diehard fan of the Chicago White Sox and had been following the team for many years. However, there was one problem. Steve had become increasingly negative about the team. He would constantly complain about the players' performances, the coaching decisions, and the front office moves. He'd even go as far as to say that the team would never win a championship. Steve's negativity was starting to affect not only his own enjoyment of the game, but also that of those around him. His friends and family, who also loved the White Sox, were tired of hearing him complain all the time. They would try to steer the conversation away from the team, but Steve would always find a way to bring it back to how bad the White Sox were doing. One day, Steve's friends decided to intervene. They sat him down and had a heart-to-heart talk with him. They told him that his constant negativity was bringing everyone down and that it was not fair to them or himself. They reminded him that being a fan of a team should be fun and enjoyable experience and that he should try to focus on the positive aspects of the team rather than dwelling on the negative. Steve was taken aback by his friend's words. He realized that he had been so focused on the team's shortcomings that he had forgotten to appreciate the good things they had done. He made a conscious effort to change his attitude, and they started to look for the positive in every game. He found that he found that by doing that, this he was able to enjoy the games much more and even felt invested in the team's success. From that day on, Steve became known as Lattery Steve among his friends and family as a reminder of the change he had made. He also stopped being so negative about the White Sox and instead became a more positive and supportive fan. He realized that by being a more positive fan, he was only able to enjoy the games more, but also able to inspire others to do the same. The end. How are we feeling, Steve? The AI has has the solution to your problems. Fuck Skynet. It's AI replacing. It's that's, the replacement AI. That's, yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know, everybody talks about, you know, from, from Terminator 2, Skynet becoming self-aware. Skynet's full of shit, okay? Listen, you know, any negativity that I have towards this team is justified. Anybody who knows me, who's been around me long enough, remember the first half of 2021? Remember how much fun I was having at the ballpark? I was a joy to being to be around. Let's be real about this, okay? Enjoyed a beer. I was I was going out there. I was fucking stone cold in beers. I was I was enjoying myself in Lot B. We were having fun at the ballpark. There were fireworks all the time. I was enjoying. I was living the life. I fucking got my ass up and I left at five o'clock in the morning and drove to Cleveland to watch them win a division title on the fucking Cleveland Indians home field and bury that fucking sad sack franchise once and for all. And I loved every goddamn minute of it. So, Skynet, AI, don't give me this bullshit, all right? The White Sox did this to me. I thought it was a touching story. Had a nice, happy ending, you know? You know, Anthony, you know, you know, Anthony, you yeah. want to you want to come at me with with I this th- AI nonsense, man. I'll come at you for something. Do, do, do we want to go there now, Jonathan, or do you have something you want to throw? I was just here? gonna say I think the AI is full of shit too, because it's uh obviously not realistic and it's writing not for optimistic outcomes, which is kind of weird for AI. I usually think kind of like black mirror shit when I think of AI at least. Um, but um yeah, that's a little bit too um unrealistic it, for my it take. Took- it took me about four or five times with the AI to, to actually have it write about Rick Hahn screwing up at his job. So I will say that, like I had to force it to, to be negative. It, it is a very optimistic artificial intelligence bot. So I guess with that being said, Sal, I don't think we can ever replace Steve with AI because it would, it would just be way too optimistic. Yeah. 
So, Anthony, I'm going to take you to test for something here. Sure. Because, you know, in the last week or so, you've been bombarding the Sox and Tap group text with some cockamamie theories and just hearing conversation about Eloy Jimenez playing right field. And, you know, because he's coming out and saying that um, he's, you know, going to surprise everybody. Let me ask this. What the fuck's he supposed to say? Is he supposed to say, I'm 25 years old. Yeah, I'm 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 okay. I'm accepting the fact that I'm a DH. You know, this is just this is what what it is now. I'm happy with it. It's fine. I'm cool with it. You know, of course he's gonna come out and say, I'm doing everything that I can because I expect to be an outfielder. I expect to play every day. I don't accept being a designated hitter. I mean, that's no different than when I was 20 years old, when I was expecting to go out there and eventually be able to date Tori Wilson, just because you, are you saying that you and Eli Jimenez both lack self-awareness? One of us does. One of us might've said something knowing it wasn't going to happen. (laughs) There's that. I I just, I want self-awareness from this ball club. I want a little bit. When you have Pedro Griffol come out and say, you know, I had a conversation with Eloy Jimenez. Andrew Benintendi was signed here to play left field, and he's a damn good left fielder. Do you really want to see Eloy Jimenez out there in right field at all? I, I know none of us do. I, I really don't. Um, so with that said, how about Eloy Jimenez comes out and says, yeah, I'm going to hit 35 home runs this year. I'm going to make sure that I'm in the lineup any way, shape, or form. Yes, I still want to see him continue to work with the glove, because injuries happen, we, we lack the depth. But I don't want this mantra to keep going over and over and over again. This seems like it's the third fucking time we've heard the same story and nothing's changed. He's never going to be a gold glove left fielder. That's just not in his cards. At some point, somebody has to sit the kid down and say, if you want to be a successful major leaguer, this is what it's going to be. Because the injuries continue to stack up. The guy can't even stay healthy running to first base. Like, let's work on the base running, Eloy. Before we even start picking up the glove and working on shagging fly balls, let's learn how to effectively step on first base or make a turn or do something like that. There, if, to, to me, the, the lack of self-awareness is concerning, and it should be concerning to the White Sox organization as well. I, I just I don't want to continue this, this over and over. Uh, Eloy goes to the media and says he's a left fielder. I just don't think it bodes well for him. I don't think it bodes well for the team. Sure, I think, you know, to a certain extent, Eloy Jimenez wants to secure his next payday, although he's locked up on an extension already, and, you know, he wants to stay relevant. Hell, he made the top 10 left fielders from MLB at this point in time, and Andrew Benintendi didn't. So I don't know who came out with those grades. But, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I think we'll see Eloy Jimenez in left field a couple of games this year. Sure, it's great that you're still working on your glove. But I'd rather see him focusing on the parts of his game that we need to see him excel in because he is your middle of the order bat this year. He is one of the most important pieces of this team. Uh, and if he's not in the lineup hitting 530 at bats, we're going to have some fucking problems this year because the ball ain't going to be going very far. I see both sides of this. Um, when Steve, what you said, what, what is Eli supposed to say? I totally understand that. And then also, Tony, I would also like some, you know, uh, some self-realization there with Eloy as well. However, I don't know uh, with a bright eye, you know, still young kid like that, if that's going to happen just yet. So I need the new management in there to save him from himself. That's what I want to see and fucking put him at DH all the goddamn time. And only when in dire need uh, does he get work with the glove. That would be, you know, make the right decisions, Pedro Grifol. That would be my uh, kind of plea here. We've had three intents and purposes from Anthony tonight. It's a big intents and purposes show. It is an intents and purposes show. It is. Hashtag confirmed, Steve. I appreciate you giving me the confirmation. All right. You're very welcome. Uh, we're winding down here. Um, Tony, you and I got some Blackhawks to watch coming up here in a few minutes. So um, let's wind it down with some final thoughts, uh, last things that are on your mind before uh, we reconvene. I'm sure we will at least a couple, two, three times before uh, those pitchers and catchers get down to Glendale. Yeah, look, we're in the home stretch of the offseason right now. We got three weeks to go. Um, they're going to be throwing baseballs in Glendale, Arizona before we know it. So fortunately for me, I got a little bit of travel 
from from a corporate standpoint coming up here over the next couple of weeks. So that'll help the time go by a little bit. So that's nice. But um, we're dangerously close right now. It would be great if the White Sox would make a move between now and when they report to shore up one of the areas of need on this roster to give us some positivity to discuss. If, if they don't, we've got AI to be positive for us. Uh, I think we've learned that tonight. Um, but uh, final thoughts from me, uh, it, it's just more of the same. And I think that we'd continue to talk about the White Sox shortcomings um, on the show over and over again. I'm looking forward to actually seeing the boys play some, some baseball and evaluate what's going on and some actual real baseball discussion, maybe to – take the uh, the pressure off thinking about what this front office has done, because regardless, as we get into this season, it's just going to be nice to see baseball being played guys. And I think that uh, as spring training starts, it's going to start to feel like uh lot B is around the corner. And that's one of my favorite places to drink beers with you boys. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, you know, feeling like that's around the corner is, is important. It'll help lift the spirits of all of us. Yep, we're trending towards baseball. As you guys said, looking forward to all of that kind of stuff. Um, my last one would just be, you can never have enough pitching depth. Go and sign some in light of recent events. That's all. Even if it's Ross Detweiler. Go and sign some pitching depth because you, you can use, yeah, sure, take some from Charlotte. Use, use Davis Martin, but man, you can never have enough. And in light of recent events, you got a guy that went down at the back and you want a guy that went down at the front. There's got to be something done to address that. I'm sorry. Can't just go and waltz in there and expect AAA guys to do it. Guess what? Did it, Bennett Souza did it with Tanner Banks, stuff like that last year. I know those were maybe, and those were even more minor roles to fill, right? And those didn't exactly work out as intended. So go and sign some. That's what I got. You know, we are less than one month away from the first spring training game. And it's going to beg the question, what is Pedro Grifol going to do to set the tone? Because we all know the tone gets set during spring training. And I, I'm going to expect, you know, on February 25th, when they have that first game against the San Diego Padres, I expect the A squad to go out there and give nine strong innings out there. I want guys hustling out of the box right away. I want bullpen guys slotted in there early because this is, this is going to be the most important game of Pedro Grifol's life, and he needs to be preparing as such. So you, you don't, I, I you don't want a complete game? From our starter, I mean, one. I mean, and look, obviously, I, I'm I'm willing to take it, but in the event if that doesn't happen, I want the proper bullpen guys slot where they need to be. This is a must-win game, okay? I I want a Cactus League banner, okay? Flags fly forever. I want that banner flying at Camelback Ranch, okay? It's, it's almost tone. that time. There's, Spring training overreactor season is is right upon us. Set the tone. I mean, we don't make the t-shirts for nothing, right? On tipsports.bigcartel.com. Go get yourself a set the tone t-shirt so you can set the tone along with us and the White Sox during spring training. All right, gentlemen, great show. Uh, glad we got to talk some White Sox here. Uh, once again, trending towards baseball, so don't let the snow on the ground get you down um, because uh, we'll be seeing um, those guys back on the backfields in Camelback Ranch very, very soon here. So, for all of us here at Socks on Tap, Tony Marchese, NWI, Steve, and Johnny Nani, we appreciate you all tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, on Tap Sportsnet, so you can join the conversation. A lot of good talk in there, a lot of good banter, a lot of good questions. Uh, we always appreciate that. So once again, on Tap Sportsnet, on YouTube, for future reference, don't miss a show. Gentlemen, Till next time, White, White Sox, Sox forever. forever. White Sox for life.